If you would please keep your Bibles open to this passage of Scripture, uh, we'll study through it uh, together as we see how the Bible is so absolutely truthful and relevant to life. The Word of God is sufficient for salvation and it is sufficient for life. And uh, today the Scripture directly and specifically addresses an issue, a topic that many struggle with in our society today, many in our community and many in our own church family wrestle with this issue of anxiety. So let's pause for uh, a moment as we do and ask God to help us today. Father, this, uh, this issue of anxiety can really plant roots in our lives and it can become such a daily, strong force in our hearts and in our minds that uh, we can come to a place that it just wears us down and we can get to a place where we think there's uh, no hope, there's no answer, there's no relief. And yet, Father, here in the uh, life-giving pages of Holy Scripture, Lord, you speak life into this particular Hardship, this enemy that many, many of us wrestle with. And you do provide hope and you do provide the answer. And Father, along with that, what we understand is that we need your spirit powerfully at work in our lives because we certainly can't win against these foes, against these giants on our own and in our own strength and in our own understanding. We need something supernatural, Father, not only in uh, just our daily living, Father, but in believing and holding fast to your word and holding fast to you. To see, Father, the truthfulness and of your word and the greatness of who you are displayed in our lives. And that's what we desire, Father, to see the unusual, the unexplainable. The things, as the text mentioned this morning, that surpasses understanding. And whether it's the issue of anxiety or whatever the issue is in our life or wherever we are in our spiritual walk, Father, we all need that kind of Holy Spirit power, supernatural, otherworldly, divine power displayed in our lives. And so we look to you, God, 
We look to your word, we turn our eyes, we turn our hearts, we turn our souls to you today, and we pray that you would allow us to drink from you the fountain of life and to drink deeply. So much so, Father, that it would overflow in us and and renew us and recreate us and refresh us. Father, would you have your will and way in us today and transform us and change us into the likeness of Christ. We ask this in his name. Amen. What I want to do as uh, we get into this message, the cure for the anxious soul. What I want to do is I want to read to you uh, three verses from Psalm 119, because Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, and it's all focused on the Word of God. And what I want to do is read three verses from Psalm 119, because I want to set the context for the verses that we're reading from Philippians. I want us to have an understanding, a little bit of groundwork and foundation of what the Word of God is And then we'll look to the Word of God concerning this issue of anxiety. So listen to these three short verses from Psalm 119 that gives us something to grab onto concerning our understanding and application of God's Word. Psalm 119.43 says this. The psalmist says, Take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. Let that settle. My hope is in your rules. There's something really hope-giving in our lives about surrendering ourselves in, 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 in willing and glad-hearted obedience to the rules that God has given us in His Word. We find hope as we give ourselves, surrender ourselves, lean ourselves into the Word of God. And give ourselves to it. Listen to this verse, Psalm 119.50, just a few verses down from 43. It says this, This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. You hear that? Your promise, so that's another way of speaking about God's word. It's filled with his promises. Your promise, the psalmist says, this is my comfort. This is what gets me through. This is what sustains me in my affliction, whether that's anxiety or whatever it might be. That your promise is giving me life. That's where I find my life. That's the lesson. That's the application right there for us. This is where I find my life in your promises. In the middle of my affliction, Psalm 119, 92. If your law 
had not been my delight. So I'm, I'm delighting in God's word. I'm delighting in his law for me. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I would have been undone. That would have been it for me. I would have perished in this trial had not I been delighting in your word. So the, 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 the kind of the application and lesson for us here this morning is there's something really hope-giving and really life-giving and really sustaining and preserving in God's word. So that the more we treasure it, the more we surrender to it, the more we bend ourselves to it, the more we deny self and obey it, the the more we give ourselves to it, the more hope and the more life and the more preservation we find in it. Here's what I want us to grasp this morning. If God commands it, it must be good. If God promises it, it must be true. The cure for the anxious soul begins with our view, our view of God's holy, unchanging, absolute, bedrock word. The path, though it may be slow and it may be winding and it may be difficult, but the path out of the crippling grip of anxiety is an ever-growing reliance upon and trust in and a loving surrender to the words of life. What I'm trying to learn in my life right now and what I hope to convey to you this morning is that when we read the Word of God, it's not just for knowledge and it's not just to see what the truth is or agree with the truth, but it's that we would look and see God's Word and conclude as His people that that Word is for me. That that truth applies to me. That 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 is true for me in my situation. So that the word of God then becomes alive in us as as we apply it and believe it for ourselves. The way to loosen and finally break the chains of despairing anxiety is to believe that God's word is true no matter my circumstance and no matter my feeling. The Bible is sufficient. Listen carefully. The Bible is sufficient because God is sufficient. We get our view of God's word from our view of God The Bible is sufficient because God is sufficient. His his word, we got to get to this place in in our spiritual walk and in our Christian growth. God's word trumps all other words. 
All other advice, all other counsel, all other suggestion, God's word trumps every other word, including my word. Because oftentimes we talk ourselves out of what God has already promised us. When it's deep and when it's dark and when it's difficult, instead of preaching God's word to ourselves as we should, oftentimes we preach our feelings to ourselves and preach ourselves right out of God's truth for us. God's word trumps every other word, even mine, even yours. The Bible is not to be taken as equal with any other counsel. God is all wise and all faithful and true, and he is light without any shade of darkness. His word is eternal and the source and fountain of life. So it is to us to treasure it, to stand upon it, to cling to it, to rest in it, to hope in it, for God cannot lie. God cannot lie. He will always be true to his commands and faithful to his promises. The night of anxiety may be long and exhausting, but the dawn will come when our souls are rooted and anchored in Scripture. And as we give ourselves over to Scripture and the Spirit of God fills us, with his life-giving power. The word of God is, the Bible says the word of God is living and active and it pierces to the soul and spirit and and it discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's Hebrews 4.12. God's word seeps down into the soil of our very, the core of our very existence and that's where we need the life. Notice with me in our text the connection between verse 5 and verse 6. Verse verse 5 ends this way. The Lord is at hand. And the very next thought, the very next implication of the Lord is at hand is do not be anxious about anything. See that connection. And give yourself to that connection. The presence of God in our life is an unstoppable force that conquers the giant of anxiety by calming the anxious heart and easing the anxious mind. The Bible, listen to this, the Bible gives us the opportunity to discover the God who dwells within us. And the more we understand and come to grips and really fathom and and comprehend and meditate on the greatness and goodness and majesty of God, the more we understand that that God of the heavens dwells within his people. The more we get this, that the Lord, the awesome God of the universe, dwells within me the lord is at hand do not be anxious about anything just a plug for our summer sunday night worship services we're going to have five worship services 
throughout the summer on Sunday night. And the, the topic is Behold Our God. And this is what we're going to do. We're just going to look at passages that help us understand how big, vast, loving, gracious, awesome, powerful our God is. So I want us. I, I, let's take that as our foundation. This under, getting to understand God through His Word, and now let's go to His Word about this issue of anxiety. So the cure for the anxious soul. The first point from of the message is, is found right there in verse six. There are three things that we find here in this passage that God gives us when we find ourselves in an anxious state. Number one is fellowship with God in prayer. Fellowship with God. Fellowship with God in prayer. Commune with your Father. Verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything. Now, I take the word anything to mean anything (laughs) because we tend right we tend to say well I know the Bible says do not be anxious about anything but in my situation right or in this certain circumstance as if God never imagined that that could ever be a circumstance anything means anything especially real or imagined anything real or imagined much of our anxiety is stirred up from the hypothetical that, that, that is not rooted in reality. It's the what ifs that bother us, isn't it? It's the what ifs. What if this happens? What if I have this? What if it's not good? What if I lose this? What if this happens tomorrow? Don't be anxious about the what ifs. Listen, God, God is greater than the what ifs. Jesus said in Matthew 6, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Do not be anxious about the what ifs. You have no idea about tomorrow. You have no, there is no way in the world for you to be certain and absolute about anything tomorrow. Really, anything in the next five minutes. I mean, I could cut a cartwheel. You'd never expected that. And I would never do that. Jesus said, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. (laughs) There's enough stuff over there, but guess what? God's over there too. God is over there too sufficient. Jesus says sufficient for the days that's on trouble. God already knows exactly what you need in this moment and in that moment. He already knows exactly what is transpiring better than we do in this moment and in that moment. God is already there and he's already here. His grace will be sufficient for whatever tomorrow holds and whatever today brings. Jesus said in Matthew 6, Just seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all this other will be added to you. That's the Sermon on the Mount way of saying God's got this. God's got that. That's that's God's load to bear, not yours, not mine. 
Most of our anxious thoughts come from the what ifs. Another bunch of our anxious thoughts, or a lot of them are rooted in concerns for our health, thinking about our death, or thinking about what we will need in the future that that we'll be lacking. Or sometimes our discontent with, in in our own minds, not being able to measure up or keep up with others. Matthew 6, Jesus teaches us that God is sovereign and that God is good. Jesus says, don't don't worry about your life because worrying won't add a single hour, won't add a single hour to your lifespan. we, We can't add to our lifespan. So why worry? God, our Father, supplies our daily bread. Whatever he allows in our lives or whatever he refuses in our lives is ultimately for our good. He made you to be you, not them. He made you to be you, not for you to be them. Because making you in your unique way in his image, he he crafted you and designed you and created you in a particular way so that you and only you could bring him glory in that way. You and I have a, have a distinct, specific purpose for our lives. Do not be anxious about anything, but rather instead. So when anxiety surfaces, when, when anxious thoughts begin to tap in, uh, on, upon our hearts, but rather instead in everything by prayer, in everything. So while we're in everything, do, do not be anxious about anything but in everything so whether you're in a mess or whether you're in a stress whatever you are in do not be anxious about it we get anxious about it and 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 when we do we're we're acting as if there's nothing we can do about this but worry that's what we're acting like there's nothing i can do about this situation but worry about it And we spend a lot of time and we spend a lot of energy worrying. And God says to us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. Prayer. Pray. Talk to our Father. That's what God says. When you're anxious, when you're unsettled, when you're panicky, when you're fretful, when you're all tore up and you're all worked up, come to me and pray. Fellowship with me in prayer. Come to your heavenly Father. And Paul says three things here about helping us to pour out our heart to God. Number one, prayer. So so God is saying, talk to me. Talk to your father. Talk to God about what it is, why you're, why you're anxious, what, what's got your heart troubled, what, what's going on in your life. Pour your heart out to God. Prayer. Talk to God about what's making you anxious, what your thoughts are, what you're struggling with. But in everything by prayer and supplication. So supplication is then ask him, ask him. God is just waiting to be asked. 
Ask him for help. Ask him for grace. Ask him for peace. Ask him for answers. Ask him for a promise. Ask him. Supplication. Give it to God in prayer and then ask him for faith to believe his promises. Ask ask him for the the power of the Holy Spirit to to give you life and and ask him to help you believe his his word and, and stand upon it. Ask him for grace. Ask him for wisdom. But in everything by prayer and supplication, and here it is. Here's the key. Here's the, here's the prayer booster. Here's the faith booster. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. That's absolutely essential in this prayer, in every prayer, but especially in this prayer because what does it do? It turns our eyes to the Lord. Now, in a sense, we're already turned to the Lord because we're praying, right? But what are we praying about? We're praying about our situation. We're describing our situation to him. We're asking him for help. But when we turn to thanksgiving, we are totally turning away from this situation and to the all-wise, all-sufficient, all-good, all-faithful, all-promising, all-powerful God of the universe. And we're thanking him for who he is and and for what he's done and for his rich promises and his past faithfulness and, and, and his spirit that lives within us and his word that is alive in our life that we have today. And all of the good blessings that he has enriched us with. And we're we're thanking him for every single thing that he's given. We're thanking him for the very next breath. We're thanking him for life. We're thanking him for blessing. We're thanking him for provision. We're we're thanking him, thanking him, thanking him. And all of a sudden, our minds are turned from how unsettling this situation makes me feel to how sure our God has always been and always will be. So the application really becomes very important in our life. Make plenty of room in your life for sweet fellowship with the Father in prayer. Turn the phone off. Get to a quiet space and enjoy God. That's what prayer is. Enjoy God in prayer. And when we, when we take God's solution, God's cure for our anxiety, there's a wonderful promise. There's a powerful promise attached to it. And that powerful promise comes as a result of pouring our hearts out to God in prayer. So you won't get this anywhere else. Listen carefully. You won't get this type of promise anywhere else. So when we get anxious, if we run to social media or if we, if we run to this or if we run to that or, or if, we, if we isolate ourselves or, or, or whatever it might be, wherever we go instead of prayer, you don't get this. But if you go to prayer, if you go to your Father, look what he promises in verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, 
Now, you know it's the peace of God because you've tried everything else that should have given you peace, but it hasn't. But here comes time with your Father ushering in this, flowing this peace in your heart, in your mind, that beyond how insurmountable or how troubling all of this is, your heart is at rest. The peace of God is able to build a fortress around your heart and around your mind that keeps anxiety out. That comes to us through prayer. Prayer is an awesome privilege. It's been given to us by our Father. God made a way for us to come to Him. He desires that communication. God is the one true God. There are no other gods but him. So what happens? There, what happens? Because all other religions pray too. So what happens? All other religions pray, but to what end? There are no other gods. So what happens when someone prays to a false god? If you're praying to something that doesn't exist, what happens? Nothing. Remember Elijah and the prophets of Baal in 1 Kings 18? What a story, right? 450 prophets of Baal, one man of God, Elijah. I shouldn't say that. I should say one man of God, Elijah. I was praying the other day. The Bible says in James, Elijah was a, Elijah was a man just like us. And he prayed and, and, and God, it didn't rain. I was thinking the other day when I, Elijah might have been a man like me, but I'm not a man like Elijah. My, my prayers don't do that. So here's, here's 1 Kings 18, and, and, and he says, okay, we'll, we'll, make two, we'll make two sacrifices. You 450 guys who worship Baal, you pick out your bull, you make your sacrifice, you pray to your God, and then I'll pray to my God, and whichever one answers by fire, whichever one's the real God, then that's who we'll worship. And they say, okay. So they get everything ready and they get the sacrifice ready and they pray and they pray and they shout and they pray and they shout half of the day and nothing happens. And Elijah begins to taunt them, doesn't he? He said, well, maybe your God went on a trip. Maybe your God, this is in the Bible, maybe your God's relieving himself somewhere. That's in the Bible. Or he said, maybe your God's asleep. So if you get louder, you can wake him up. So they got louder. They began to cut themselves, bleed all over the place. And the Bible says, no one answered because there's no Baal there. And Elijah says, all right, I'm going to pray to my God. But before I do, I want you to pour a barrel of water on it. Now another barrel. Now another barrel until it's completely drenched. Man. Boy, I'd love to be, <laughs> I'd love to have that faith. And he prayed in the fire, fell, and even licked up the water. That's the same God. That's the same God that says here, do not be anxious about anything, but 
in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The promise is peace when the heart is in turmoil. Fellowship with God in prayer with thanksgiving pours the peace of God in our hearts. The one true God tells us Christ has opened the way for us to approach God. He says in Hebrews 4, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, anxiety arises in the heart. Anxiety arises in the heart and it dwells in the mind. So God tells us to pour out your heart to him in prayer and to fill up our minds with praise. That's the second point. Filling the mind with praiseworthy thoughts. So after God says, come to me in prayer with thanksgiving and he promises his peace to fill our hearts and our minds, then there's a second thing that he says. Finally, brothers, filling the mind with praiseworthy thoughts. Finally, brothers, whatever's true in the list. You see the list there. We'll hit it in just a minute. Once we give our anxious thoughts to God, once we cast our cares upon him because he cares for us, once we do that, then we have to replace those thoughts. You have to replace them or they'll return. So you have to replace them with other thoughts. We we remove anxiety from the heart through prayer and we replace anxious thoughts in the mind with praiseworthy thoughts. Now this is where by the grace of God through the strength that he supplies, this is is where uh, the fight comes in because because it's to us of, of what we allow to dwell in our minds. We either choose to expose our minds to ungodly or unwise thoughts or unhelpful thoughts. Or sometimes those thoughts just pop in our mind. We didn't plan it. We didn't intend it. We didn't go looking for it. It just pops and it's there. But we choose, we choose what we're going to let dwell in our minds. We choose whether to let it in or we choose if it just gets in there or if it just pops up in there, we choose to not take out the garbage. And we need to build what what the scripture's saying to us, what God is telling us in verse 8 is we need to build a grid of godly, holy, wise, good, helpful thoughts over our minds. Build this grid that has these qualifications. And if the thought doesn't fit the grid, it's not allowed in. It's resisted. It's stopped. It's prayed against. Or if it sneaks in, it's removed quickly. It's confessed. It's gotten rid of. Here's the mind grid. Paul says, whatever is true, that is reality. Whatever is real. And God's word is above all other words, right? So when God says something is real and, and it doesn't seem real or it doesn't look real or it doesn't feel real, God's word trumps all other words. God's word is truth. 
whatever is true, whatever is honorable. So if it dishonors you or if it dishonors your neighbor, we throw it out, right? If it's a dishonor to someone in some way, we throw it out. If it's a dishonor to God, we throw it out. It has to be honorable or we don't entertain it. We don't, we don't let it in. We don't let it stay in. Or just. He says, whatever is just. So, so if it represents doing good to others, if it represents loving your neighbor, if it, if it represents doing to others what you would have them do to you, then, then we let that thought in. But if it doesn't, we keep it out. We keep it at bay. We fight against it. We resist it. We deny it. Whatever is pure. Impure, sinful Selfish thoughts feed anxiety. Paul says whatever is pure. Impure thoughts can be anything from lust to materialism to self-centeredness. It can be anything. If it's impure, if it's unholy, if it's not godly, it's out. And that's a constant, almost minute by minute, day by day battle in the mind. Whatever's lovely. What, what, what does lovely mean in Scripture? Lovely means morally attractive and winsome. If it makes God smile, it's lovely. Whatever is commendable, it, what does that mean? Well, is it something you could recommend to your spouse? Is it something that you would invite your child to take part in? Is it something that you would want your loved one to join you with? Whatever's commendable, what, whatever's that you would recommend. Anything excellent, anything worthy of praise, think on these things. How do we feel our minds? With praiseworthy thoughts. Practically speaking, there's, there's so much, right? I mean, there's, there's memorizing and meditating scripture. I mean, how useful might it be? Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Memorize and meditate upon Scripture. Listen to sound Bible teaching. I hope that this is not the only sermon you hear in a week. I hope you're filling your mind up with sound biblical teaching. Songs that direct your thoughts to God. Listen, I like all kinds of music. I like all genres of music. I like all kinds of artists of music. But everything else, kind of, there's feel-good songs, you know, songs that, hey, that makes me feel good. And then there's songs that minister to your heart. Feed your soul. Feed your mind. Reading good books that give you understanding and, and, that, and that give you a passion for the Lord and for His glory are just books that expand your mind and that just, just get your mind involved in things that are not anxious, provoking thoughts. There are podcasts. There's all kinds of things. 
And maybe you might say, well, this, this is really what you're talking about, Pastor, is helpful, but I'm really not, it's really not thoughts because sometimes it's not a thought that I'm trying to keep out or, or a thought that pops in. Sometimes it's just a feeling. Sometimes it just, it's just there, and I don't know why it's there. And so what about that? Well, I would, I would say this, that this, this applies to that as well. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, even what we're feeling, what we are experiencing by prayer and supplication and whatever is true and honorable and lovely and pure, think on that. The answer to the strong giant of anxiety, the the answer is simple. It's not easy. It's difficult. Sometimes when you go to God in prayer, you are weeping. Sometimes when you go to God in prayer, you are screaming. Sometimes you are wrestling. Sometimes you don't even know what to say. It's not easy. But it is simple. Think about the illustration of Goliath. It wasn't easy to kill a giant. That's why no one wanted to mess with Goliath. But God used something really simple, didn't he? A little stone. A little stone. When we pray, that's, that's us putting that stone in that sling by faith. And filling our minds with those Thoughts. So number one, run to God in prayer. And as, as we cast our anxieties on him, he fills us with his peace. The more we are in the presence of God and realize who we're in front of because we're thanking him for all that he's done, the more his peace seeps into our heart. Number two, pour into our minds godly, good, helpful, holy, praiseworthy, God-directed, Christ-centered thoughts. If our hearts are full of the peace of God and our minds are full of the things of God, then anxiety has nowhere to take root. It's got to take root in the heart or take root in the mind. That's where it does its work. That's where God gives us the answers. Finally, number three, quickly, the third Answer for the cure for the anxious soul is following godly examples. So that in verse 9, Paul wraps up this part of his counsel to the church. He says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Practice these things. What is he talking about? Get busy living for Jesus. Get busy living for Jesus. Fill up our mind with thoughts of God and fill up our time with service to God. Think about how can I encourage someone else today? How can I minister to someone else today? How can I love someone else today? How can I pray for someone else today? How can I share the gospel today? The world says what you need to do when you get upset, you need to treat yourself. You need to pamper yourself. You need to focus on yourself. You need to love yourself. 
But the truth is, the more we focus on ourselves, the more anxious we get. Because God says, focus on others. Focus on others, befriend others, speak encouragement, do acts of kindness, live strong for Jesus. Paul says that everything, whether you've learned it or received it or heard it or seen it, get busy doing it. Practice it. Practice your faith. Practice the Christian life. So the Bible is addressing in this issue of anxiety, the Bible addresses our heart, our mind, and our time. We can remove every place where anxiety can land and replace it with God. And then hear the promise. Listen to this promise. If you thought the previous promise was something, when he says, hey, the peace of God will guard your heart. Look at this. Get busy living for Jesus and the God of peace will be with you. Not just his peace will be with you, but he will be with you. Wow. Now that, let's take this, that takes us right back up to verse five, doesn't it? Go with me right back up to verse 5. I think that's what Paul wants us to do. The Lord is at hand. He is with you. Do not be anxious about anything. Very quickly, in conclusion... There's some practical steps that you can take to fight anxiety. I would say the first one would be whatever stirs up anxiety in your heart, in your mind, sever it. Get rid of it. Jesus said, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. We use the word trigger, but... I don't like to use that word because it's used in unbiblical ways. But whatever stirs up anxiety, separate yourself from it. If it's something you watch, if it's something you listen to, if it's something you search, if Google makes you anxious, then ungoogle yourself. It's amazing. Listen to this. It's amazing how quickly we become addicted to the things that we know harm us. Well, I know I shouldn't do that because it's going to make me anxious. And then we do it. And it does, it's not just anxiety. It's anything in life. It's amazing how quickly we become addicted to the things that we know are going to harm us. Jesus says, cut it off. Get away from it. And I I stated last week, because we briefly looked at this last week, you know, in our culture as a whole, the, the more money we have, the more affluence we have, the more we're able to do, the more we're able to get, the more we use social media, the more busier, the busier we are going and coming and doing, the more anxious we become. We just get the, the more we have and do, the more anxious we become. 
So in very practical terms, don't pursue what the world is pursuing. Just pursue Jesus. Let Christ be your pursuit. Unplug. That's that's the second thing. Sever, number one. Number two, don't pursue everything else the world is pursuing. Pursue Christ. Number three, unplug and disconnect and connect with the Father. Unplug and disconnect and connect with your Father. Fourth, simplify your life. Simplify your life. Declutter your schedule. We don't have to do everything possible to do. The next one, you need quality sleep. We need to sleep. God designed us that way. We need to rest. Schedule your afternoon and evenings so that you can rest. You've got to have sleep. God created you that way. Here's some other things. Exercise, healthy diet, sunshine, all of those things help. All of those things are practical steps. But here's the thing. Come back with me to Philippians 4 because I don't read any of that in Philippians 4. Paul doesn't say, do not be anxious about anything. Just go outside and go for a walk. Yeah, that helps. But here's the answer. All of those other things that I mentioned, they can assist and greatly assist But the cure, the cure is the peace of God through prayer and the God of peace through godly thoughts and godly living. Let's pray. Lord, would you help us today? More than likely, either we ourselves wrestle with anxiety or we know someone who does. Or as we've been addressing anxiety, Father, you have brought up the issue that we struggle with and the same applies, really. Prayer, godly thoughts, and godly living. Lord, would you help us rearrange? Would you rearrange our heart and rearrange our minds that we might rearrange our lives centered around you, focused on you? And here it is, happy and at peace in you. Help us today, God, in Christ's name, amen.